Thank you everyone for joining me today on this podcast. My name's Bina Sharma and I'm the CEO and co-founder of CCU International based in Aberdeen. I'm here today to introduce to you some individuals that have been key in our first inaugural event for the Women in New Energy event, which took place in September. This event was organized on behalf of Energy Voice, as well as uh, in partnership with Think PR. And we had a number of uh, panel events, and we also had a really, really interesting couple of sessions with some amazing speakers in the new energy space. It was attended by hundreds of people. The event actually was launched back in February when I spoke at a Future North Sea conference in Aberdeen and I was asked to actually set up a workshop in the carbon capture space. That workshop actually was one of the best workshops I believe that Energy Voice have ever run. And one of the things that we noticed when we came out of that workshop was there was nearly 50% women in that workshop, which was quite a rare, uh, it was a rare thing to see. It still is quite a rare thing to see in the, in the industry. And the way that this event was originally set up was really me asking energy voice why we had not previously had as many women in these types of workshops before of course there were lots of women that approached me afterwards particularly young women approached me afterwards and actually asked me the question you know what is it that you do um, that is so unique are there more women in the space do you mentor do you provide any other types of services that help women like us move into this space and it got me thinking I approached energy voice and I actually asked them if there was a possibility of running an actual workshop or an actual conference focused primarily for women in the new energy space. The women in the new energy name came about first and it was only about a month or two after that we realized the acronym was WINE. So it wasn't deliberate, but obviously it works very well for some. And I wanted to basically start this first podcast, this inaugural podcast we recognized following on from the event that there was a desire for more women to be counted towards the new energy space, whether that's women that were already in the energy sector that wanted to move into the new energy space, women that were in the new energy space, that wanted to maybe contribute a little bit more, but also for those that had not yet entered the industry and were looking and still are looking for options. And maybe finding that they the industry is dominated by men um, and maybe struggling to find a way to get some of those doors open to them. So really, it was about bringing women together, not just women, but also men who are huge allies in this space, together to think about how we include more women in this space. So I wanted to start off really by uh, introducing two of the guests today. They also took part in the event that we ran in September. So I'll start with you, Ingrid. Would you like to give us a quick introduction to yourself? My name is Ingrid Holdall. Um, I'm Director for Sustainable Energy Solutions with Expro. My role within Expro is, is really to help expand our, our current portfolio offering in oil and gas and take that and support and develop a sustainable business in the to support the energy transition and also to help shape the future direction of the company. So it's it's more of a strategic role, very technical, and uh, looking at renewable energy and also what's happening in the decarbonisation technology space too. I started out in the oil and gas industry as a chemist, um, working for a very small SME, so a family-run production chemical supplier. So initially I worked in the lab, um, progressing to running chemical trials offshore, and that was in the very early 1990s. So as you can imagine, back then in the 1990s, I was quite often the only woman on the rig. I then joined Schlumberger, um, so SLB now, um, as they're known. I joined them in the late 90s. They promised a, a life of travel and excitement and they definitely did not disappoint. I had a 21-year career with them, working internationally. Lived in six different countries, multiple global roles, and I also travelled to about 50 different countries. I have a map on my, my um, wall and I've, I've pinpointed every country I've went to and it's over 50 um, to date. I've started off in t more technical roles. I felt that in order to get the edge over my male colleagues, I had to really be an expert technically in order to make up for the experience that I wasn't getting offshore. So I spent the, the first 10 years mainly in technical roles. It's all subsurface. Developed um, as a field engineer offshore. I worked on some pioneer projects around the world. Finally, I moved into more of a career line management um, series of roles where I was being developed in different functional roles and then was in various leadership positions towards the end. So quite a diverse experience, uh, definitely got to see a lot of the world. And then after about 20 years of working internationally, we moved back to Scotland in 
2018 with the three my three children and uh, now we have three dogs and we live in Scotland so my life is uh, very different than my my uh, travel days now I work with Expro I've been with Expro for four years and um, there's a lot of change and um, it's certainly a very exciting time to be to be in this industry. Thank you Ingrid for that great introduction. You've had quite a varied career obviously the last 20 something years um, and it's uh, often quite difficult to find women in this energy space that have been doing this for a long time. Like yourself I've been in the in the industry for quite a while. What, what I wanted to do really was move on to a quick introduction from Andrea. I'm sure for most of you she needs no introduction but I'm going to allow you Andrea to, to to do your own introduction quite often we read out these bios that you've provided us but really we want to know a little bit about more about you and how you see yourself and thank you thank you Bima thank you Ingrid so I'm the only person here who doesn't work in this this industry Um, my industry is very very different I work in broadcasting Uh, I'm a trained print journalist it was something that I'd always been interested in. Uh, my degree was actually in history, politics and international relations. And that was I, I did that as a as a foundation in terms of becoming a journalist. And unlike both of you, in terms of having a career plan, I fell into television and it was something that happened by joyous accident. And I thought, I'll 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 keep doing this for as long as they they want to employ me and see how that goes. And I ended up working in broadcasting for nearly 24 years. And the reason I enjoyed it so much was uh, I realized that it was a medium that I could bring together the training that I had as a as a print writer but also my it suited my personality because it was a way of for me bringing out the best in people drawing out their stories hearing their live tales and also it put me in a really unique position where I I, I managed to garner an amazing little black book of of experts in all different mediums so that eventually in my 50s when I decided it was time for me to pivot career and, and move in a different direction. I was really well placed to do so. I had over over 20 years of broadcasting experience. I also had a very clear idea in terms of how I could help other women in whatever industry they were in, just to gain a greater sense of self in a, in a situation where they either don't feel seen or heard or are lacking the confidence that, that they need to push themselves forward. What, what was interesting is that so often we, we listen to people's bios exactly like you said, Bina, and, and we think, oh my gosh, they sound so intimidating and that sounds so, so impressive. I, I don't, how can I sit at a table with these people? How can I put myself forward? And I don't know if that's a particularly female opinion because with the men that I've worked with, they don't seem to have the, the same sort of viewpoint. And what I do is I, I work with women so that they understand really your your skill set is your skill set, but all business is is a people business. It's down to how you communicate your your skills, your needs, your wants, and how you can learn to best serve each other. And that's that's what I'm looking forward to us having a a, a lovely conversation about today. Thanks, Andrea. So, Andrea, you joined us for our Women in New Energy event. You opened with a phenomenal keynote talking about some of your experiences. Obviously, we know that you're a number one Sunday Times bestselling author for your books, including This Girl is on Fire and Confessions of a Menopausal Woman. You shared some of your experiences um, on a program that you were on and how you overcame some of the challenges that you had. When we first approached you to partake in this new energy event for women, what were your initial sort of thoughts, bringing some of those experiences as you brought to the table on the day? What were your sort of initial thoughts around what we were trying to do, what we were trying to achieve and how potentially you may be able to contribute with your keynote? Well, for me, obviously, I knew I couldn't contribute on a technical aspect because I don't work in your industry. And in the, in the first instance, you might think that might be slightly off-putting, but actually it's not. It helps you relax because you know that there's, uh, I I can't compete because I don't, I don't know anything about this. So what do I know about? You what won't I be asked of- any technical questions. That's for sure. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so I thought, you know what? How how can I take something that uh, we we hear the word renewable energy and we have a we have an an understanding of it that is something that 
is through the media or maybe through our readings. And I thought, how can I turn that upside down and turn it on its head? And how can I do a talk which is, we all know about the importance of renewable energy as an external source when we're talking about our planet, when we're talking about our, our the energy that we consume. But what about the energy that we have within ourselves, which we we always treat as if it is a is a source that is going to just last forever. And as as humans, but particularly as women, we tend to just keep going and going and going and going, thinking that, that somehow it will renew it magically. So my my talk was about how we can learn how to preserve our own energy to use the same analogy that you're using within your industry in as such as the, the, the ways that used to energize you perhaps when you reach different stages in your life they don't work anymore so you need to think differently about how you've been treating your own renewable resource and then how to harness that in a clean way that will keep you running effectively and running efficiently for the rest of your life so for me it was it was taking the the sort of top line of who you are and what you are trying to do and how can I put my own unique perspective of it so that that was what I tried to bring to my keynote thank you Andrea I love that analogy um, and I think it was um, highly appreciated on the day that you brought a slightly different outlook when we opened that session, because it did start to get people really thinking about their own energy and what they wanted to do with that energy, more importantly, not just in life, but but in their careers as well, which was really the focus of this event. It was really to, to bring about women from the industry, not just in the UK, but globally, to showcase really what women have achieved in the industry, even though we're not used to putting ourselves forward, we're not used to showcasing ourselves. And like you say, you know, we're not the kind of people that when we're asked to read or provide an introduction, we generally don't read out our bios. So what I wanted to do really was ask, bring Ingrid here in here, because Ingrid, you do come from more of a technical background. Um, and I wanted to understand a little bit about your motivations behind taking part in the Women in New Energy event. And I know that when we first initially appro approached yourself and Expro, it was kind of a no-brainer for Expro. You know, they're very forward-thinking in this space and your name came up almost immediately. When you first heard about the event, what were your initial thoughts? I think initially I was very excited to hear that there was an event focused on women and leadership and trying to encourage that network within our within the renewable industries, the energy space. I thought that was extremely exciting. Having spent 30 odd years in the oil and gas industry, there's very little events that are focused solely on women and trying to create that network and link us together because we have so much in common. Um, as you could see from the, the, the discussions we've had post-event as well, it's led to so many interesting conversations. I think starting off from Andrea's keynote speech, which I also thought was very inspiring, Andrea, um, just thinking about my own energy in that sense, because it, it is very different now that I'm now turned 50 this year. And, and you know, looking at my life, it does take a different approach to to finding the energy and the, the motivation to, to continue with such passion and, and energy that I've had previously. So that was really inspiring for me. But yeah, I think it was just excitement of being involved in something in Aberdeen because coming back after 20 years of being international and coming back to Aberdeen, I was quite surprised by how little there was here to help support women. Um, so yeah, I was just excited to to be involved and in, in Expo are very, um, you know, keen to support diversity and, and um promote themselves in the new energy space. So yes, it was a it was a win-win for us. What I wanted to also ask you, given that you were, you know, you took part in the event throughout, you were there throughout all the sessions that were there. Um, we did have some men in the audience. We also had men, many women who were both, you know, young, old, students, um, women who were in the industry, we, women who were not in the industry. Can you give us any insight into maybe some of the conversations that you had, uh, whether it was during the sessions or after the sessions? I know there was a lot of positive feedback that came. Are there any stories that you can share with us with, you know, women that maybe you'd spoken to that maybe made some changes were inspired by the whole event not just Andrea's keynote but but the whole event yeah so certainly there was one lady I spoke to right after the the the, the event itself had had finished and we were doing the networking 
um, she asked me for some advice on a promotion she'd been waiting for for about, I think it was over a year she'd been waiting to get this promotion and she kept being told by her managers, it, it's coming, it's coming. But inspired by what she'd heard that day and um, everything that we talked about after the event during the networking, she went into work the next morning, very energised and, and keen to, to have this conversation with her manager. She contacted me a couple of days after the event and she was very excited that she'd had the conversation with her boss. She'd been quite firm, which was the the advice that I'd given her. Be firm, just state your facts, explain this has taken a long time. This is what you expect to happen after this conversation. Um, So she did exactly that and she was very happy to let me know that she'd been given the promotion and um, it it was a very happy event for her. So that was that was really good to hear just through one conversation that one person could be inspired to go to work the next day and and ask for something that they truly deserved. Um, So that was that was really encouraging for me. There was a number of conversations I've had since then, and I've stayed in touch with quite a few few people um, as a result of that event. One woman has started out um, supporting other women that are going through menopause. Um, So that's an interesting career change for her. And then for myself, I decided on that very same day that I was going to embark on an MBA. And um, I selected an MBA in Sustainable Energy Futures. It's amazing. So uh, that was my next step. Decided that the grand old age of 50, there was, you know, life is still a one big education experience. And um, I embarked on an, an MBA. So I've actually just come back from Glasgow last week where I spent the first three days on campus with the rest of the cohort. So um, I was laughing that I definitely am stretching the mature part of the mature student, but uh, it was it was good. It's a lot of fun and it's an exciting it's an exciting course to be on. So yeah, I think there was a lot of inspiration that day. Yeah, it's good. Honestly, Ingrid, amazing. I know you and I have spoken on this topic and absolutely inspiring. And I think it's one of the reasons why, you know, there were so many so many women at the event that, um, you know, when they saw some of us speak, um, they were inspired not just by what we were saying, but also in the decisions that we've taken in our lives to improve and educate ourselves and and move ourselves forward. So I want to move on to the next topic of, of role models, because in this industry, you know, I joined the industry 25 years ago, uh, I remember being posted out to, to Nigeria, being one of, of 6,000 men and thinking this this is going to be my life now, you know. And as the years have gone by, I have seen things change and they have improved. It is starting to become a little bit more balanced, but there's still quite a lot of work there. And what, what I quite often hear from women is that they don't really see any role models in the industry. And this isn't necessarily for this particular industry, but it could be any industry, any any type of job that you're doing. It's important for women to see those role models. So question for you, Andrea, what importance do you see given to role models? It could be in your industry, it could be in any other industry, given that you work with women across multiple industries. Is it important for women to have role models and what kind of play does that have in their decision making moving forward and also choosing particular career paths? I think if you if you can't see it, then you don't know that you can become it. I think it's much more challenging regardless of what what your career path is or even just your 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 lifestyle choices. If you if you don't see it, there's nothing to aim for. And what is what is so sad that it means in many cases that it doesn't cross your mind that, oh gosh, I can do that too. So you know, for me, my first passion has always been writing. As I said, I, I ended up falling into television and w- was given the opportunity to do a job, grabbed it with both hands because I was in my 20s and I, every opportunity that came my way, I grabbed it with both hands. Um, but for me, growing up, my role models were writers. They were magazine editors. And I, c- I can remember getting a work placement when I very, very first to moved to London. I literally moved to London with no contacts in the industry. Uh, I drove down with everything I owned in the backseat of my mum's old car. I slept on floors and just worked for free anywhere that would have me. I ended up living in a, in a tiny bedsit. And I remember I did a work placement at Marie Claire magazine. And Marie Claire at the time was uh, the pinnacle of, of female-led journalism. And even to be in the same room as Glenda Bailey, who was the editor at the time, was so hugely exciting for me because she was she was a, a, a northern lady. She was working class. She'd worked her way up through the ranks to become the editor of this. this it was a 
bastion of journalism at the time. And for me, I just thought I, I want to be like Glenda Bailey. She left quite soon afterwards. She ended up working in uh, New York as um, editor-in-chief of Harper's Bazaar. So for me, in that instance, having a role model was really, really important. And it was about having a truth and an integrity about what it was that I was trying to do. For me, everything that I have tried to do has been, is, is it truthful? Is it helpful? Does it serve a purpose? Clearly, there are parallels with both our industries. They are, they are very, very different. But the ethos is is kind of the same. In terms of moving on into into broadcasting, I worked across many different fields of of broadcasting. I hosted, you know, light entertainment shows. I hosted panel shows. Uh, I did the weather. I did all co- kinds of different things. But in terms of the core of what it was that I was trying to do, was the same. Does it serve a purpose? Is it is it helpful? And also the people that I'm working with, how can I help them in in some way, shape, or form? Going back to the you know part of your original question to do with with role models, if I'm being very honest, there there were very few role models of people that I thought I want to be like you. There were people that I thought. I like I like the job that you're that you're doing, but I always thought I would do it in my own sort of way. There was only, there was only one person really who I can remember when I was in my twenties, and I was fortunate enough to work alongside her, and I still know her now to this day. She's a good old Scottish celebrity, and it's Lorraine Kelly. Now I was a weather girl when I first started working alongside Lorraine Kelly, and uh, she was she. I was a I was a journalist. She was an on-screen journalist. I was a, a print journalist, and I learned so much just by observing her. And what I observed from her was she treated everybody the same. She was energetic. She was polite, but she was also very strong. And I I resonated really strongly with that. This idea that you you don't need to kick and scream and shout and thump tables to get what you want. Actually, you can just stand very firmly and politely and say no. And no is a complete sentence. And I, I learned that from her. I already had a lot of that in me. I don't know if it's a Scottish thing, but I already had a lot of that in me anyway. Um, but for me, observing someone who was really at the, the peak of their career, and she stayed in that job for, I think she's been working at ITV now for over, over 35 years, which is not to be underestimated what a big what a big deal that is. And she has done that by staying true to those key values. So yes, I saw a role model in in one person doing that and it gave me the strength to think, you know what, I can just keep doing what I'm doing. Seems to be working for her. I'll keep doing it for me. Sometimes that's all it takes, doesn't it? Just that one person that can change your whole outlook on things. Yeah. From your experience, obviously, Andrea, you you know, you, you, you're a coach, you have a psychology background, much like myself, I come from a psychology background, I actually started in the industry, basically um, developing behavioral change programs for the industry, not around the gender balance. Unfortunately, at that time, it wasn't around a gender balance, it was on other topics. But coming from a psychology background, I often find myself, I, I look at things quite differently. And something you mentioned there about being, you know, strong, being a strong individual, not everyone can say that they are a strong individual. And it obviously takes strength to be able to, to stand up. I mean, my, my life experiences and what I went through in my early days in, in oil and gas, I had to be strong because otherwise I would just be left behind. I knew that. And I could see other women were left behind and I could see the ones that, that had moved forward were the strong ones. So you almost have to force yourself to come out of your shell and be somebody that maybe you're not uh, to be able to progress. So when you're when you're coaching individuals, whether it's, you know, business leaders or whether it's women who want to progress in their careers or whether it's in something else, do you often find that inherently they have things in their in their own natures that hold them back? You know, we talk quite often about the barriers. Do you feel that there are sometimes things inherently that these women causes them to hold back on stepping forward or voicing their opinion or just saying that word no? Inherently, they're not able to do that. Maybe it's something to do with their background, the way they were brought up, the culture, you know, traditionally women's position in society. And if you do see that, how do we get women to overcome those barriers and move into a space where they can be stronger and feel much more comfortable in their own skin? I, I think that every person that I come across has internal, an internal monologue and an internal dialogue. And I use the word monologue because it's normally just one voice um, that holds them back. But women in particular seem to have this more than any other. And for me, what it what I tend to find is it stems from 
it's normally either a parental voice or a, a teacher's voice or someone from their past who has at some point told them either you look stupid, why are you even thinking that you can do that? You're going to make a fool of yourself. Or we don't do that kind of thing. Or that's not the way that nice girls behave. Stop being so pushy. It can be a, a, a mixture of, of any of these things. And that voice then gets internalized. So what I what I then ask them to do is two things, is is to reflect on where do they think, and, in, and that when I say reflect, I mean literally to sit with their eyes closed and in a still moment and, and ask themselves, where do they think that voice came from? Because I know you're hearing it as your own voice and you are now telling yourself that I'm not capable of this, I, I can't do this, or I can't say no, or I can't stand up to this person who is either... Um, either holding me back in my career or behaving badly around me or my team. Um, I ask them, where do they think that voice originated from? And it takes a little bit of time, but normally they can pinpoint the exact moment where they were first told this thing that they have then repeated and repeated and repeated. And as we know, what we do is our brain is this amazing organizational tool and it will put little hooks in place and it will tidy up and it will put all our thoughts and go, ah, that goes on that lack of self-belief hook. And before we know that hook is totally, you know, weighed down by the amount of what we think is evidence of this kind of behavior. What I then ask them to do, like I say, once, once they've identified where has this voice originally come from. I ask them if it's still true. You may have felt that when you were five or 10 or 12 or 15 or whatever. Is it still true? And then I ask them to find data to back it up that it is not. How many times have you shown yourself that actually I am strong, I am capable, I am able to whatever the situation is and write all of that down. And I know very often we tend to think of women as being rather more creative people rather than data-driven people, but that's it, it's absolutely not the case. And once we get to a point where we have hard data that we can prove to ourselves, actually, this voice is telling me, no, you're not strong enough, you're not capable enough, you know, pipe down. This is not how you behave. Even if, being as you were saying, you're one of six thousand um, people, you're the only you're the only woman there. Actually, I have data to show that I can. That's not to say that it will be easy. Life isn't a Hollywood movie. You're not suddenly going to stand up and everybody is going to agree with you, and you're going to get a round of applause. But you will have yet again proven to yourself that at whatever level you are capable. The, the key thing that I ask anyone that I work with to do is to write things down because I saw an amazing analogy the other day and it was it was a picture of a running tap and it said these are your thoughts and the tap was running and the water was flowing everywhere and then it was a picture of a running tap with a bucket underneath it and it showed the power of once you collect your thoughts and it literally it was just collecting it in a bucket that's the same thing with what we do with our data our evidence to prove that actually we are capable of doing these things that we don't think we are i may be mo doing ourselves a great injustice by saying that this does seem to be a particularly female trait but my in my experience men don't need to do that they already as you know they will men will men will apply to do a job that they are maybe only 50 or 60% capable of doing and women we wait until we can tick every single box so i i would say create your own data and then use that to fall back on to push yourself forward i love that andrea and actually it kind of takes me back to to me starting my career you know I um I've always been told that I've got a resilience I'm strong oh, but you're the strong one or oh, but you're the resilient one and you know I've always wondered how how do we build that up in people and you know part of my psychology background has been a, about doing that but also one of the really key things in my journey and I know um I'll bring you in Ingrid here because I know you you can probably share a similar story is actually my biggest allies in the industry and generally in life have been men, not women. Um, and much like yourself, you know, I may have seen other women in, in certain positions. Was I particularly inspired by them? Not necessarily. They may have been one or two sort of role models that I really actually saw as role models, not because of what they did. It was more about who they were, the type of person that they were, you know, whether they, if they were a leader, did they lead with integrity? Did they lead with, with honesty? Were they respected? These were the kind of values that I looked at rather than, is she in this position or is she doing this? And is that where I want to be? So what I found in my career and generally in life is I've 
been surrounded by men. You know, I've got two boys. Uh, I've been in a, in a male-dominated industry. I wouldn't have been in Nigeria or any of the other locations that I was in if a man hadn't put me forward, if my boss or my boss's boss hadn't put me forward. And what I found, particularly living in Aberdeen, I've been here for best part of six and a half years now, it is still a very much a male-dominated environment here. Um, but I have found that particularly my team, who are male, I'm the only female in my team, have really pushed me to the point where, you know, they've made sure that I believe in myself. And we are used to quite often as women saying, you know, like you say, we tick all those boxes. We want to tick all those boxes. We're perfectionists before we go leap into something because we don't want to be criticized or we don't want to because of any gaps. I mean, I've put myself out there from a public perspective. I put myself out there, made some very bold claims about my company and I have been challenged on them and I have been criticized. And I do know that had I been a man, the response would have been quite different. I probably would have been applauded. So my biggest allies have been men. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today if it wasn't for the men in my life, if it wasn't for the men that I work with that lift me up every single day and put they put me on that platform whether or not I want to be there. And Ingrid, I know that you've had similar experiences to me. So I just wanted you to share maybe a little bit of that journey as to what that's been like for you. It, obviously, it's very important that we do see women as role models, but also men can be those role models, right? Yeah, no, absolutely, Bina. That's very, very true and, and very true in my case as well. There were very few women in leadership positions in the company that I worked in. Overseas, I would see occasionally a woman um, in a leadership role and it was nice to see but quite often they were also more type A than some of the men in leadership positions if you know what I mean they were quite aggressive and and I used to look at them thinking I, I don't want to be like that I don't want to be a leader that you know I, I I need to change the way I am and there was one lady I came across who was um, she was actually my manager's manager and she led with an air of femininity she cared about her people and she got things done and she was amazing. So I, I really looked up to her as a, as a female leader and thinking that is who I aspire to be like because she was being very true to, her, to herself. She didn't change because of the positions that she'd been put in. She was very focused. She was very passionate. And she was just made sure that she had the right team around her to get things done. So that was the one experience where I thought, oh, this could be for me. This is actually a a role that I could see myself taking on in the future. But being as right, quite often it was it was men in leadership positions that helped support support me as well. There was one man in particular who I remember him in meetings, he was always made sure that everyone's voice was heard. So he created this very inclusive environment to work in. So it was very nice. He um he made sure everyone was heard, that we, our voices were encouraged. Um, and that our development, the development plans were in place for all of us on his team. Um, and one particular occasion which led to my career move to Angola, where I moved to Africa with my family, he actually realised that I have a one-year-old daughter at home, I have a husband, and he took us all out, all out for dinner to try and convince us that this was the best career move for me. And because he did that, because he he involved my husband, he knew it was important, we had this discussion about where my career was going. He de he demonstrated, you know, to my to my husband that, you know, this was a career move that made sense for me, that it would take me to the next level. And yeah, it just it just made a, a, a huge difference to us as a family. And we decided to go for it. And that was where my if you look at the career points, you know, the pivotal moment, moments in your career, that was definitely one for me. But I, I think when you when you look at these leaders, whether they're male or whether they're female, I think the authenticity is something that really shines through. And if they're true to their own values, you can tell that they are true, authentic leaders. And those are the leaders that I really um, look up to and, and aspire to be like. And that there are many of those people around that are inclusive, that are authentic. So again, I think it comes down to being true to your own core values. And I think that's that's key. And that's what I try to do as well. Actually, one of the, the pieces of advice that I gave at the wine event, I don't know if you remember, Bina, but um, I certainly got lots of people contact me afterwards where I was given advice. I'd heard someone talk at a, a leadership event and she said to be unapologetically authentic. And it's stuck with me. And it's, um, yeah, it's something that I think is, is very true. I love that unapologetically authentic yeah I think I'll definitely be using one that one I do I do remember and I, I you know 
you mentioned, you know, we've talked, we've spoken about role models, we've spoken about women, women's role, and how we can put ourselves forward maybe a little bit more. But one of the things that we we worked on during the Women in New Energy event in September was we uh, we set up a, a mentoring clinic um, where people could learn a little bit more about mentoring. Um, have you yourself, Ingrid, ever been mentored, or have you had the experience of being a mentor to others? Yes, yeah, so I've. I've been a mentor to several people over the years. Um, currently, I'm, I'm mentoring three people at the moment. Um, it's something I feel is very important. It's it's a good two-way thing. I, I learn a lot from it, and, and hopefully they get something from it as well. In terms of me being mentored, I have had a few managers along the line, along my career that I've reached out to in terms, you know, one is maybe key for financial advice, for example, if I had something, a big decision I had to make, I, I would turn to this person for financial advice. Another person would be more, you know, career development advice they would give. So it's, I, you have a network of people that you would reach out to. And I've always tried to maintain that over the years. So yeah, it's very, it's very important. And then just last year, I had a, a mentor in terms of developing some leadership skills. So being able to present at uh, board level, I uh, was given a mentor to help me um, prepare for those board presentations and, and communication skills to help improve on that. I don't think you can ever have enough opportunities to do both mentor and be mentored. Andrea, in your line of work, is that something that you would do mentor, particularly maybe others coming through in your industry? And what sort of experiences have you had in that space? In terms of mentoring, it's not something that is normal, I suppose, in the TV world, as in it's very different to any other industry. You know, my my dad has worked in the corporate world his, his whole life. And sometimes when I've chatted to him about my my career it makes no sense to him whatsoever because it's it's not the same it's you get an opportunity it's the equivalent of being thrown in the deep end of the pool and if you drown then oh well they were no good and then they'll just find someone else to throw in the deep end of the pool it's very very different but saying that for me and i think what is so interesting between the the, the parallels in in the entertainment world or the broadcasting world with the corporate world is one thing that is is the same for me success or fame reveals who you truly are people say success changes you or fame changes you i totally disagree i think it actually just highlights who you really are and for all of us here we genuinely just seem to be drawn to people who are are true are altruistic who who want to serve and pay it forward and and help people alongside them and and below them to to raise their game and i know that that's always been the case with me i've been drawn to those sorts of people so in the same sort of way when in in my time in tv and even even now you know in the work that i do there are certain people who will reach out and Absolutely, I help them and mentor them. There's no, there's no money involved, or there's no. It, it's literally just I see something in them, and I know that sometimes that's all it takes is somebody who's a few steps ahead to say, "Do you know what? Try this, and actually give this a go, and believe in yourself." And even if it's something as small as, you know, I'll help someone with their CV and and give them a few email addresses and keep an eye on them and see how they are. I absolutely do do that. I personally never had a mentor, but what I then did do later in my career was I had a coach, and it was someone that I I had, there was a, uh, is an American coach that I really respected. And I reached out to his team and I, I employed one of his team for two years was a coach to me. It, didn't, it had nothing to do with the broadcasting world. It was to do with who I was as a person. And it hugely helped me to reevaluate every decision I was making, not only in my career-wise, because obviously I pivoted career and I changed direction and in my 50s and decided actually I'm going to take my talents and utilize them elsewhere. And for me, it was really important that I had someone to speak to who even though they didn't work in my field, they were they were trained in mentorship enough that actually what I was doing was irrelevant. They were always a few steps ahead of me. And they also, as a good mentor, knew what questions to ask me so I could find the answers in myself. And to me, that's what a good mentor does. Um, so yeah, I had to look outside of the industry 
for mine. I didn't find it within. I don't think that's a bad thing. And actually, sometimes that can be more beneficial. I do do quite a lot of mentoring. Um, and I also do, um, I do have mentors myself, much like you, you, Ingrid. You know, I have mentors for different things and they're not always in the same industry or in my industry. So it is hugely beneficial. It Sometimes it can come across as a bit of an altruistic act, but actually you gain so much as an individual for mentoring others uh, and it reminds you sometimes where you came from you know you were you were in that position at some point where you needed help you needed guidance you needed some support and just to remind yourself this was me once upon a time I was young I was ambitious I didn't really know which way to turn I wish I had mentors to go to or people who could support me through this journey so I think it's good to remind ourselves where we where we came from I mean yeah we talk about definition of success means different things to different people but I think one of the things that many many women enjoy doing is is mentoring, coaching, and helping others come up through the ranks to to be able to achieve whatever it is that they they want to achieve. The other thing I wanted to touch on very quickly as well is you know both of you have brought age into this, and obviously we've we've mentioned menopause and things like that, and um, I, and I wanted to just touch on that because in this we talk about this new energy space, um, and there is a lot of transition happening at the moment into renewables. You know, there's carbon capture, there's hydrogen, there's all sorts of topics that we could talk about into this new energy transition space. And a lot of people, when I talk to a lot of people, they talk about um, you know, the transition of jobs from existing oil and gas jobs into the new energy space. One of the reasons why this conference went ahead, this event went ahead, is because we wanted to highlight that this industry isn't just for those who are currently in the energy space. It is for students who are thinking about a, a career, what career they're going to choose. It may be for people in their 40s or 50s or 60s that are looking for a career change. In your opinion, how easy is that or how difficult is that to do when, for example, like yourself, in Ingrid and Andrea, now in your 50s and you know, you've spoken about uh, career change, Ingrid. I know that you're not necessarily a career change, but certainly you've moved into into study, which for some may seem very, very daunting at latter stages in life. So what is it that has inspired you to take that, make that change? Because that, when I speak to a lot of women in particular, quite often it is that fear of the unknown. It is the fear of, you know, not doing the things that you've been doing for the last 20 or 30 years, suddenly changing everything. It changes for a lot of women. It changes all the dynamics from not just at work, but also at home. Um, you know, maybe Ingrid, you choosing, I know, I know your kids are not at that age where they need looking after, but you know, for many women who choose to, to take education on, for example, may have to worry about kids that they've got at home, may have to worry about looking after the house or whatever that might be. In your experience, what is it that really, well, for you personally, what is it that really ignited that passion for you to take that step and make that change? How do you, you know, we quite often say um, it's starting, you have to start, you have to take that first step. So what what inspired you to take that first step? I'll start with you, Ingrid. I really was inspired taking part in that panel discussion. If, if you can think, Bina, we were looking out towards the sea of faces and everyone was so eager to hear what we had to say. They wanted to share their own experiences. There was just an air of positivity in the room. And I started to think, well, I've 30 year career. I mean, I've achieved quite a lot when you think about it. I am proud of my career, but I also feel like I've so much left in me to give. And really, I, there's so much more of the renewable energy space that I don't quite understand. So the policy making, the regulations, the, the frameworks that are needed, the barriers to progress in the energy transition. There's a lot of things I don't quite understand myself. So that's really what inspired me to take that step and and give myself the knowledge so I can play a bigger role in the future, so I can you know, have a bigger impact on the energy transition and help our company and also my own, from my own perspective, um, be more successful in helping that transition. So it was just, it was just a really positive environment to be in. And um, that's what really gave it, gave it the, um, the edge for me. But you're right. I mean, when I look at my home life, my kids are older, I can allow them to, you know, spend a couple of hours on their Xboxes while I do some studying. So I have the flexibility in my life just now to be able to help support that. So when I had the conversation with my husband and everything we do, <laughs> we sit and we, we war room every situation. So it's, you know, okay, 
this is what I'm thinking. And he's like, oh, what next? I'm all, I've always got a new challenge or a new goal. So we, we sit in war room and say, okay, so what's the worst that could happen? Okay, well, X, Y, Z. Okay, and what benefits might you get out of the situation? I say, well, maybe nothing, but maybe it could lead to X, Y, Z. So we sit and we, we have this conversation. And I actually do this with my kids now. It's quite, it's quite an interesting way to, uh, to look at their problems and start to get those, you know, those big, hairy, mammoth problems out there. Because often when you find that you've talked about them, they're often not as big and hairy anymore and you can actually tackle them. So that's what we did. Um, I went home after that night and uh, had a conversation with him the next day and said, look, this is what I'm thinking. It's going to cost a lot of money, but hey, let's. So we, we, we went through the wardroom situation and here I am one module in and I'm loving it so far. So two more years to go, though. I might not be saying the same. <laughs> two years. No, we'll, we'll check in with you in two years time. So, Andrea, obviously, you, you know, career change. Um, you spent many, many years on Loose Women. I can't uh, go a podcast without mentioning that uh, with some very fierce and very strong women on that panel. Um, and then, of course, you did, you, you leapt into another really huge challenge, which pushed and pushed and pushed your boundaries, as we saw when you spoke about your, your um, experiences on your, on your keynote. People quite often talk about... Um, not necessarily midlife crisis, but um, sometimes, you know, I know certainly as a woman, sometimes I just feel like I need to do something different. I don't know what that different is, but sometimes I feel like I just need to do it. So what is it that inspired you? What gave you that ultimate push to do something different? I had already been running uh, This Girls on Fire. It started as an online blog in 2018. And it goes back to what I said that earlier about I'm really fortunate that, you know, my little black book is quite a good one in terms of experts and this kind of thing. And, and I know that people are quite willing to speak to me because of my background. And again, its whole purpose was it was in service, really. It was how co- how can I help you? And I, again, I think we, we've kind of forgotten now. It's 2013, nearly 2014. And we've forgotten what it felt like when, when the pandemic first happened. It felt like Armageddon. We we didn't know what was going to happen. And I, I was almost finished writing my book, This Girl's on Fire. Uh, I was making the uh, I was developing this this girl is on fire in terms of a of a business, and I was also trying to do my day job at the same time, and I I sat down with my husband who I'm really fortunate. My husband is he's my we call each other our wingman. You know I love the term war room discussion. That I'm going to utilize that from now on because that's exactly what we do. We sit down and we go right okay this is this is what I'm thinking. We sound very similar you and I Ingrid. <laughs> this is what I'm thinking. Um, how is it going to impact us? How can we make this work? What are the pitfalls? This kind of thing. And I said, um, I think the time has come for me to quit my job. Now, I've always been the breadwinner. Really, since I, I left home, I have, well, I work for myself Really, I started a job at 15, but really I've been in de- financially independent since, since I left home. And in, um, I've, I've always been the one who's had the higher earning job. And I, I enjoy it. I like I, I like working really hard and pushing myself and and this kind of thing but this would this would change everything because one i was going into a a, basically a startup scenario and we did not know what the money situation was going to be we were in the middle of the pandemic we didn't know what you know outside work outside of telly because i do did still do other work on the outside of my day job what that was going to look like and we we did We'd always done vision boards, success plans, you know, five-year plans, all this kind of thing, and we flipped it on its head, and we 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 call it we called it our blueprint for failure, and it's exactly like you say, just shining a light on right. What's the first thing that could go wrong? You quit your job, and then what? Okay, well this happens, right? Could you cope with that? Yeah, I think I could. Right? What's the next thing that could go wrong? And we dug deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper until we were looking at our own personal and financial Armageddon, and it was and could you put up with that? And the answer was yes. So I quit the next day because you can you can plan, you can vision, you can get mentors, you can do all the things, but really you don't know until you jump. And it may work or it may not work, but you'll never find out until you do. So I did. The honest answer is, uh, so we're now um, three and a bit years on. Has it worked? Not in the way that I thought, did I face all the things that I put in my blueprint for failure? Pretty much, yes. But 
actually, I'm all, I'm all right with it all. I've ended up in a whole different direction, but I would never have ended up where I am now if I hadn't took the plunge and, and jumped. So I think, again, going back to your original question to do with age and pivoting and making big changes at this point in, in our lives, I think the reason that, that so many women do decide to make whether it is personal changes or career changes, and it's a midlife pivot rather than, feels slightly crisis-y at the time, but it's not, um, is because we do have this huge wealth of experience. We've gained a much greater understanding of where our strengths and weaknesses lie. We know what we won't put up with anymore. Um, we're able to articulate that so much more clearly. And I think also we feel ready to, to do things off our own back. That I think so often, even when we are very, very successful, there is still a tiny part of us that likes getting a pat on the head when we do well, whether it's a bonus or it's, you know, your, your peer is saying well done. And I think there does come a point where you, you realize, actually, I want to do really well and I don't care whether I get a pat on the head or not. I'm going to do this anyway. And that was the point that I reached. And I think there is something incredibly liberating about doing that because you realize yeah you're going into free fall and you may land face first on the concrete but it's all on you and it's it's okay and even if you land face first on the concrete you find out that it hurts a bit and then you can just get back up again it's okay I love that it's um takes me back to kind of some of my psychology's days we quite often talk about um motivational intelligence you know we have three levels of intelligence you've got your IQ your EQ emotional intelligence and then you've got this motivational intelligence which um, you know, you spoke about earlier experiences that we have maybe when we're younger. And when we are younger, we're very much like, you know, we we tend to take more challenges, take more risks without thinking these things through because we don't have life experiences. So we are likely, more likely to do that when, when we're young. You think about a child, you know, getting on a bike, falling off, getting back on, falling off, getting back on. And as we get older and older, you know, we fall off the bike and we're like, well, not doing that again, that hurt. Um, and so we're less likely to get back on that bike but I think as we as we age we start to realize that you know life is short and we have that wealth of experience and knowledge whereas next time we can get back on the bike but do things a little bit differently um, and then we might fall off again but now we know what things don't work so we can move forward in a, in a, in a different way that and eventually you'll get to a stage where all those things that didn't work have helped you in moving forward and be successful in whatever it is that you need to do. So I think that's really, really important. Obviously, we've had a really good discussion around Women in New Energy, the Women in New Energy event. We recognize that, you know, role models are really important. We recognize that coaching and mentoring has a really good place, both in this industry and in other industries, to encourage more women to step into the space and be counted. We've touched on, obviously, this particular element of diversity, women, gender specifically, but there are so many other elements of di diversity that we haven't touched on at all. I quite often find myself, I, I talk about being the only women in my space quite a lot. You know, I sit on a lot of panels, I speak at a lot of conferences, and sometimes I am the only woman, but I'm also sometimes the only person of color too. Now, coming from a, an environment which is very male and white dominated, I'm. it's not unusual for me because I've been in this space a very long time. But when I'm speaking on panels and I come off panels and I got a lot of women and a lot of people of color that come up to me and they approach me and they're inspired because I've got a seat on the panel you know I actually turn around and I look and I say oh yeah I'm the only woman or oh yeah I'm the only person of color too and actually I'm in a position of privilege um, I'm in this position because I have worked very hard to be in this position but I also recognize that there are certain elements of my personality that have enabled me to be where I am so a big passion of mine is to is to inspire the next generation and maybe some of the older generation that want to move away from what they're doing or change their career or pivot or whatever that might be my aim really is to try and get more more women into the space and more people from a diverse background into the space I feel very very passionate about that being if not the only certainly one of the very very few women of color that do what I do in this in this industry so one of the things that I I really was was really keen to ask you both um, and Ingrid I'll ask you first is 
Given that we've stepped into this space of women in new energy, we've now inspired a, a whole heap of individuals, not just women, I have to add men, because there were men at this event that went away with a whole new perspective on what it was like, the industry was like for us. I remember we had, Andrea, we had two men. So we had two panels and we had one man on each of those panels. And I believe each of those men opened when they introduced themselves. One of the first things they said was they felt like an imposter. And um, I remember saying that, well, welcome to our world. You know, this is how we feel every morning when we get up and go to work, when we go to these networking events, when we go to these business dinners, this is our life. And actually, those particular men that were on the on those panels just saw a completely different view of how the world has been for us. Um, and they are massive advocates for women in the space. They are massive advocates for, for diverse backgrounds. And they have recognized, you know, conversations we had afterwards, they have recognized that they need to do more. As allies, they need to do more. So the whole purpose of the event wasn't just to inspire and motivate women, but it was also to um, inspire some of those it was also to inspire some of those men in the industry who could help open some of those doors. So it was it was designed really not just to inspire and motivate women, but also to inspire men into doing more and being allies for, for women and, and people of diverse backgrounds to join the industry, to maybe thrive in the industry and to and to move into leadership positions in the industry. So the question that I wanted to ask you really is where do we go from here? You know, we've now opened up the dialogue, we've opened up the the conversation, not necessarily doesn't necessarily have to be specific to the new energy industry, but we have a tremendous amount of people who want to move into this space. Um, or want to develop their careers into this space. And that could be across any industry where maybe women are not so well represented. So where do we go from here? We've opened up the dialogue. We've made it, maybe given them some education. We've maybe inspired them a little. Um, maybe we've, we've shown them some role models, which was the plan. What do you think, what else do you think we could be doing to ensure that women not only join this journey, but stay on this journey? Because that's the challenge. It's not so much bringing people, we have that challenge, we know, bringing more more women and girls into the space. But how do we now keep them, Ingrid? I think you're right. I mean, I think we, we have to have more men allies in the room next time. I would love to see it being a bit more balanced and having men there because we definitely need everyone to be championing women, making sure that women's voices are heard. Um, you know, gender equality is really not a women's issue. Equality in general, you know, covering everything. Diversity and inclusion is 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 a it's a business problem it's not just a woman's problem and it, we need men at the table as well we need them to understand the concerns that we have and help be part of the the solution as we move forward but I think it's all about making sure that we find those men that are equally as passionate about equality and uh, and, and promoting an inclusive workspace and finding your tribe so it's it's women that you can reach out to it's it's men as well and just you know having discussions about the bias that we face at work, having those open discussions about, you know, the, the boardroom discussions that we're left out of, the, the, the challenges that we face about having tough conversations and, and navigating those um, challenging discussions at work and just being able to help hone the leadership skills that we need women to develop over time as well. So having men and women at the table is extremely important. But I think it's, you know, we've got to lift each other up, you know, seek out other women, younger women in their careers, ask them how they're getting on, make sure that they, you know, know that you're you're there to help support them. I think it's really key um, that, that we do that. There's a, obviously a big wave of, of uh, diversity happening in Hollywood as well recently. I, I quite liked... Um, Michelle Yao, who was saying, I have watched the currents through my entire career and I'm watching the tides turn now. I thought that was really, you know, her speech was amazing that she gave just this just a couple of months ago. So we're starting to see starting to see things turn and I hope that we can see that in the energy industry as well as we move forward. But we all have to come together, admit that it's a problem. And if you're a man and you've been invited to take part in a, a panel discussion and it's all men, you need to start to question why. Why is that? There are plenty of women in the industry who deserve to have a seat at the, the panel and their voices to be heard too. I think that's um, that's amazing, Ingrid. And actually, I do know somebody very senior in one of the energy uh, companies that um, he refuses to sit on a panel 
um, if there are all men on the panel. Um, so we do need more dialogue. And, and obviously, we've seen recently in our industry, um, you know, people are starting to question it and they are coming from allies. They are coming from men. Um, certainly challenging, you know, why are there five men on this panel? Where are the women? Where are the women that represent this industry? Something that's quite interesting in the geothermal industry, they have women in geothermal. So they've got wing. They have these little wing badges that they give out to women in geothermal. And they also give them out to their wingmen. And I thought that was a really neat way of promoting diversity and getting men involved in the conversation. So you'll you'll see in every single geothermal event, um, if a man is presenting, he wears his wings with pride. And I, I just think that's a really nice thing to do, to get men involved in the in the challenge and, and finding a solution. That's beautiful. I love that. So the same question really to you, Andrea, but with a slightly different spin. Obviously, somebody who isn't in the new energy or the or the energy space. What do you think? Is there anything that you think that we can be doing differently or maybe we can be doing additionally or maybe you'd like to see us do going forward to to encourage more women to come into the space and stay in the space i think for me um if you can offer up something that presents itself as a solution rather than a problem then people are much more likely to to want to get involved so whilst absolutely in in any space not just obviously in this space in women in new energy if a group of people who are all of the same ilk are all sitting talking about one thing, really nothing's changing. You, you, you need, you're just sitting around chatting in a bucket and it's echoing. Nothing's actually changing. So for me, if you can present something that I'm, I'm offering you a solution here, and the solution is that you are looking at things from one dimension. And this is a multi-dimensional um, industry that we are we are working in. So therefore, it makes logical sense that you need people who have a different perspective. And there are people all around you that you are working with who you're ignoring, and you're not you're not giving them the space to provide their perspective. To me, that that's a logical way to move forward. I think again, it comes back to this whole idea of. Uh, you don't have to necessarily thump on desks to make change. And actually, people people pull away if you thump on their desk. But if you ab- ab- approach with a solution, uh, to me, that makes logical sense. Having more diversity in, in every industry, in all walks of life, is logical. Because then you're looking at a situation through many, many different eyes. And that's how you find solutions. And I think if it's presented in that way, it will seem less of an attack and more of a solution. 100%. And I think also, you know, diversity brings diversity of thought. And it does enable us to stay that one one step ahead. I, I know certainly, you know, me coming from a diverse background just within my own organization means that I am able to access certain regions of the world where, you know, traditionally a white man would never have been able to access in the way that I have. So it brings opportunity, uh, it brings a different way of thinking, and it enables you to be prepared for what's going forward. What I do find is quite often when we talk about diversity, particularly in this industry, um, there is a focus mainly on women. Um, And I know today we're here talking about women, but we have to appreciate that that diversity comes in many, many forms. um, And we have to start those conversations, as you say. So I'm going to, I'm going to close off now, but what I did want to do was, um, just thank you both, um, for joining me today and obviously thank energy voice for hosting us today. Um, I hope going forward that we can continue these discussions and I hope that this inaugural, you know, women in new energy event, along with this first podcast would lead to a series of podcasts. If anybody is out there that's listening and wants more information, by all means, follow us. We're on LinkedIn and you can also engage with the energy voice team to be able to tap into some of the resources that we're looking to provide. Going forward, we will be doing more podcasts. We will be showcasing more women in the industry. What we found is typically as women, we don't tend not to put ourselves forward um, because of all sorts of reasons, fear of criticism, etc etc but what I what we are planning to do with this is actually showcase some of the women who have been in the, in the industry a very long time and have made some really major impacts 
on the way that we do things in the energy industry as a whole. Um, one of the ladies that we introduced on the podcast, uh, on the as uh, one of the keynote speakers, along with you, Andrea, we had a keynote in the afternoon. She has been in the carbon capture storage space for twenty plus years. You know, no one's ever heard of her. She's contributed towards um, a book on carbon capture in the UN, and no one had ever heard her name. So um, it's an opportunity to really showcase some of these women in the industry. And I want to thank you both for taking part in this session and obviously for taking part on the day, uh, hoping to bring the whole team together again next year for another conference, maybe bigger, maybe better, um, more women, hopefully a lot more men. And um, yes, I don't know if there's anything else that you either of you want to add, any last comments that you want to add on um, where you hope to see that this will go. I just hope it goes even more global than it already is. It's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And I'm, I'm actually just really flattered to be involved with it right at its uh, right at its beginning so thank you same here i'm just so excited to be a part of it and um, help support in any way um but yeah i'll definitely be going out there with my loudspeaker making sure that lots of men understand what um what they'll what they'll get from the event if they come along to the next one thank you i think it's a it's an edu- it's an opportunity to educate which is really important in this space um and also one of the other key things that we haven't touched on maybe we'll touch on another time is is the opportunity to network there are a phenomenal number of men and women in this space that want to be able to support and building those networks i think every single person that came to the event said the networking was by far the most valuable to them they'd made connections with women in the industry who they had never ever met or men in the industry who supported women in the space so I think that part of it is really important and we will continue that theme going through the year so if anybody out there has got any ideas by all means feel free to contact us or the energy voice team and um, hopefully we'll be back soon thank you